Welcome to the Cryptomaniacs Podcast. Join Taskmaster 4450 and John G. Olson each and every week as they dive into the crazy world of cryptocurrency. If you are new to crypto or you've been through a few bear markets in the past, this podcast is for you. It's time to start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to a Friday session, a fun-filled Friday session of the Cryptomaniacs podcast. I'm John Rowe, that's Task, uh, and we're having uh, node issues. The nodes are not noting properly. Is that how the technical terms would be? Not noting? I, I guess so. I don't know if it's the API or the witness nodes. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Far far above our pay grade, we just talk on camera and let the techie people fix things. Yes, yes. Uh, please fix, dear sir. When moon, dear sir, fix, please. So because of that, I can't bring up uh, CTP talk, but uh, peak D is, is up kind of, sort of. Some of the images are not showing, but that's okay. So we're going to dive into your questions um, and... Uh, Hopefully this goes pretty smooth and we're, we're, not, we're not, you know, just the technical geniuses that we are here. We won't break anything. Hopefully not. Task, you ready for people? Far away. Okay, here we go. So let me get this up. Um, there we go. Good to go. This is different on Peak D. It's a little bit different, but here we go. We're going to get right into them. Let's get into my path to fire. said, how is Hive placed for the development of smart contracts? And NFTs. Well, I mean, Block Trades talked about that not only on the show, but eight or nine days ago, he put out a post updating what they've been working on. And he still hasn't scoped out the work, but uh, it appears that they are going to be working on a smart contract platform that goes on half uh, Honeycomb, which disregard fiat, and in turn, Speak Network is looking at building a smart contract platform in. So there's a couple that are uh, on the drawing board. So I would surmise, it's just a guess, but I would surmise that we see a robust layer two smart contract platform tied to Hive by the end of 2023. Just my guess. Nice. And this is all just... uh... This is obviously all on layer two. Um, yeah, it is. It is not going to be on the base layer. So, uh, and that's that seems to be the general consensus from a lot of a lot of smarter people than me. That's for sure. But uh, to keep these smart contracts on the second layer actually protects people um, and protects the chain as a whole. So that and also efficiency. <clears throat> you think about smart contracts like on Ethereum. Every smart contract has to be run by every node because it's at the base layer. Right. So if you take the smart contracts and you throw them on layer two, you don't expand the size of the uh, database that the, the witnesses have to to run. Mm. Obviously, <clears throat> last hard fork, we got a 50% reduction. So that makes it more efficient, makes it more economical. They don't have to have as big servers, 
And of course, at some point, if you got enough of these contracts together, you end up running with a database that's bigger than any server, you know, that's out there. You can't even run this. Uh, and that's what Hive was running into with a lot of the bad code that wasn't very efficient and stuff like that. So, uh, yes, it, it's a lot more secure. It's a lot more efficient. It's a lot less expensive to run. And then you can all, you have the node operators on layer two running the smart contracts that they're interested in. They're not obligated to run every smart contract. Uh, in fact, applications can run their own smart contract node and just run their own smart contracts if they want. And, you know, nobody else needs access to it. And this, this ties right into NFTs as well, um, because then you can put these on smart contracts as well. Too, right? Yeah, and if you, you, you basically are looking at token creation, whether it's fungible or non-fungible is, is not relevant, but you're basically looking. And this is what uh, Dan and Matt in, in their visits have talked about with the breakaway communities and being able to spin up their own tokens. And those tokens can also be, by extension, NFTs. And then you have the capability of opening like an open sea tied to Hive using these smart contracts, using these NFTs, as opposed to, you know, Ethereum or Wax or, or whatever. Hmm. There you go. So we are positioned well coming up here. We're thinking about being positioned well. Let's put it yeah, that way. Right, I mean, right. the plans are to be positioned well. Uh, until you see something out in the wild, I guess it's just all planning and thinking and, and discussion. But you know, this has been the topic of conversation for a while. Block Trades was on probably, what, John, two, three months ago. And, right, and he right. talked about scoping it out then. Uh, you know, obviously, he mentioned at that time his immediate focus, his team's immediate focus was half and, you know, upgrading that and doing certain things with that. And so over the last couple months, uh, including through the holiday season, which we know disrupts everything a little bit, that's what their focus was. So uh, according to his last post, and that's all I have to go by, uh, he said he hasn't even talked it over with the team. They're just thoughts in his head. But, mm. you know, they'll get around to scoping it out, get the feedback and the best way to do it. And we do know Starkers and Dan mentioned that their team is working on it to some degree. How, What degree, how close, where they are. You know, I, I have no idea, but right. it, it's it's in the planning stage if I had to, to size it up. But, you know, it, every not everybody, but some important players know it's a priority and they're willing to do it. There you go. Perfect. Thank you for the question, sir. Next up, we have got uh, Mr. Armstrong. David Armstrong says, even though I have been on the Hive platform for almost two years, I'm still discovering projects that have been ar around for a while and have great returns. What is the best little or not widely known project that would be a great place for others on Hive to discover and support? Also of these, which has the best ROI? Views. Support yeah. views and your whole life will be taken care of. Yes, support views. Yes, everything we're building, support views, support index, that's it, CTP. Well, I mean, I, I don't see the problem with little known projects is a lot of times they're little known for a reason and they're not going anywhere. And, and you can look at ROI and that's all well and good. But if the project disappears, which John and I have been around long enough to know, it, it, it 
it's a problem. I mean, projects do disappear. I mean, uh, Rabona, evidently, I, I saw a tweet, some, or I saw a thread, actually. Somebody said it was closing down last week. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's what happened. So you can go for the little known, uh, but you're taking a, a bigger risk. For me, if you ask me what two projects in terms of new feature set on Hive have the most potential. I fall back to views and threads. These are the two game changers potentially in my opinion, because they bring something new to the platform. Now, each of those offers an ROI, the teams behind it in their own way. You can get the index token through CT that's from the CTP team that pays an ROI. You also have the delegation to uh, Leo Finance or Leo Voter, I guess is more accurate, which is also a um, ROI generator. You can, of course, buy Leo. You can, of course, buy CTP, which those aren't direct ROIs. Those are more speculative in nature. But if you believe like I do that they w- they capture value and the value is being built within these platforms, these project teams, then that's probably a good thing. Now, does that mean there's not other stuff out there doing wonderful? And of course, you can go with the Leo Finance and go with the HBD liquidity pool and some of these other liquidity pools if you want. And you you also have the same thing on tribal decks. But again, you know, okay, if you're involved with something in Splinterlands and you're optimistic about Splinterlands future, okay, that makes some sense. Uh, And there's a track record there and you're valid. But if you got some token offering you 25, 30%, 60%, 80%, 90%, you know, it's not known. Well, it might be a rug pull. It might be gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So these are things you have to be <clears throat> mindful of. And it comes back to what John and I talk about a lot is, is reputation and not the little number next to anybody's name, but <clears throat> the reputation of the individual content creator. But this also extends to the project team. You have John, you have Cal. You have Eliana. They're on camera. They're out there. You know what they're doing. They give updates. You can find them. You can access them. You can go DM them. They will interact with you. Um, same thing with Cal and um, Nomad Soul and some of the other people with the Leo Finance team. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the stuff you want to look for because, you know, if somebody is not responding, then, you know, what are you doing? And I mean, I'm involved with SPI. I'm involved with LBI. There's posts put up each week about where the wallets stand, what's happening with the project. You can get a hold of me, who's a significant holder in each one. You can get a hold of um, Silver Stacker UK, who who is behind those projects. C, uh, you can get to Emperor Dad or Emperor however you pronounce that name. Uh, he's responsive. You know, so there are projects out there that have good ROIs. Now, I don't know how those ROIs are compared to anything else. But, you know, those are some long-term plays that I'm involved in. But again, that's because I know the reputation of some of the people behind it. And would you consider Seed, LBI, SPI to be unknown or lesser known? I don't know. Would you consider Index to not be known? I I don't know. That, That you have to size up for yourself. I mean, they're known to me because I've been hearing about them, talking about them, and I've been involved in them. But some of the other stuff out there, you know, maybe there's stuff that's hash kings, just using that off the top of my head, is doing that's wonderful. 
you know, uh, one I overlooked, Bro. I mean, John and I are both involved with Bro, and we've had yeah, Raymond sure. on, and we've had Marky on, and we know Marky and Raymond. Uh, I don't know how involved Marky is per se, other than an investor, but they interact a lot, and, and Marky does a lot of uh, uh, technical suggestions and stuff for for Raymond. So, you know, these are things you got to find the people you can can count on and if you believe in the hash kings people if you know who's behind it and they put this up together something with the great roi that may be a gem in the in the rough and you might have right. found something wonderful but my caution is just you always have to be careful because there are rug pulls on hive those are few and far between but there are also more commonly stuff that doesn't work out and you put a lot of stuff in you're investing in startups that's another thing like rabona Anybody who put money in Rabona doesn't mean you were built. It was a startup. Startups don't work out. And, right. you know, you have to think like a VC uh, investor in that regard. That Not all our stuff is going to work out. We're going to have a lot of stuff we invest in that goes to zero. But you want to offset that by the CTPs, by the Leos, by the stuff that you get involved in, that you, you hope to get 100 or, or, or 200 or 300 X off and if in the meantime you pick up some index and you have a great ROI and you're happy with that, fine, do it. You can count on index, in my opinion. I mean, I can't say definitively. Maybe Blaine and John do a rug pull. Hell, how the hell do I know? But we're gone. I don't believe it's going to happen. I believe in these guys. I've talked to these guys. So I have, I don't know, some some index in my wallet. And I'm very comfortable with it. I don't even look at it. I don't even worry about it. I know I'm getting other tokens each each week for it. And that's that. And uh, I don't worry about it. I just hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it. I'll get an ROI. And whatever it is is whatever it is. And I know they're constantly working behind the scenes to try to improve that. Buy the project team first, then buy the token. Yeah, that's a really good point. You, you, you mentioned this. <clears throat> when you were responding to that about how important like reputation is and not necessarily the number beside your your name something that i'm obviously you know if you've read any of my posts this year what i'm really bullish on and and yeah it's not really a project per se but hbd um i mean to me it's not sexy it's maybe very... i ought to start writing about hbd you think john yeah maybe yeah you should but I mean, it's 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 not sexy. It's not new. It's 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 just this this stable-ish coin that pays twenty percent, and worst case scenario, it goes back down to ten or twelve percent or whatever the witnesses decide to do. Doesn't matter. It's stable-ish. I can rely on it. There's low risk. I'm very happy with that. So I've decided personally to get out of putting my hands in all sorts of little little different things. I've been more focused. So I don't have, I don't go necessarily searching for the undiscovered treasures. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure there there's tons of them. But um, for me, it's things like HBD where it's just. Well, you know, and the nice thing about HBD is you don't have to trust the project team. Right. You don't have to trust the website. You just trust the blockchain. Yep. Yep. And for me, that's, that's, that's a big win for sure. So, thank you for the question, David. Hope it helps. Dev presses up question: What what one what one should not do while the market recovers? So, I guess he's asking, um, not sell, buy the wrong. I'm I'm not reading this right. Question: 
what one so what should we not do while the market recovers like not sell not buy the wrong assets uh what are bad things to avoid uh i would say looking at the damn market i i mean (laughs) i i understand where you're coming from but all through this i mean for since this Blair market began, what, about 14 months ago, and even before that, John and I have maintained the same damn suggestion. Long-term projects you are highly optimistic about. Fill your bags. That's it. And whether the price is going up or down, that only matters for buying or selling as your entry point. That's all it tells. It doesn't tell value. So right right now, I don't give a fuck what the price of CTP is. I am optimistic about the project and optimistic about the team. Same thing with Leo. I don't care what the price is. Now, if I'm going to take and and swap out some uh, some Hive or HBD into those tokens, then yeah, I care about the price. But you know what? I don't really care about the price because I'll probably just buy no matter what the price is because that I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I bought some more Tesla today. I'm optimistic about Tesla. So I bought it at like 120. Could it go to 110? Yes. Could it go to 100? Yes. Could it go to 85? Yes. But mm-hmm. long term, I believe it's going to be a lot higher than 120. So if you're trying to time the market, you are... A trader, which if you can do this, wonderful. My hat's off to you. A lot of money can be made trading. It's terrific. Great. But if you are trying to make big money in crypto, and here's a case in point. Go online and look, just do a quick web search uh, for something like Bitcoin dollar cost averaging or Bitcoin long-term HODL returns or, or whatever case. And there's a bunch of articles that people write that, you know, if you just bought Bitcoin at certain points in time, no matter where they were in the cycle, up or down in the market cycle, over the course of time, and like, of course, unless you bought it at like 30,000, then you're down. But with this exception of this last drop, Every bear cycle has been further eclipsed by the ensuing bull market. So if you bought in 2014, even if that was the peak for that cycle, you're way the hell ahead of the game today in Bitcoin. And it's the same with a lot of this stuff. So, you know, people always look at price and they try to quick, you know, stop looking at that shit. It's like if you're filling your bags and the great thing that John and I also talk about on Hive is you can fill your bags through activity. You dollar cost average every time you power up some hive or you receive some hive and as rewards and your dollar, your new dollar cost average that you're adding is zero. It's not 30 mm-hmm. cents, it's zero. It costs you nothing to get that high power. I mean, it costs you time and effort and, and <clears throat> engagement, but that's mm-hmm. one advantage. And the same thing with Leo and CTP. And then of course, if you're staking it, you're getting a little more coming in and, and, and all this good stuff. And that's how you build. And all of a sudden, next bull run, if Hive goes to $3 and you've been building through this bear market and filling your wallet, you're that much further ahead. If CTP goes to a dollar and you've been building through this bear market, you got that much more. And so, you know, you're sitting here saying as we come out of this, 
who says we're coming out of this? This might be just a, a, um, a, a trap and we could see a reversal and Bitcoin might be on, on path back towards 10 K. We don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 don't sell, don't buy. That's obviously a personal decision. Um, you know, it's telling someone to time it and you have the secret keys to when's the perfect time to buy or sell. It's just like, just don't do what I do. You know, don't, don't, don't sell at the uh, bottom and buy at the top. Right. Don't, don't do as my expert TA and RSI lines are showing. Well, I Cal think. said this yesterday on his, on their AMA. And it was very interesting. He, he dollar cost average Bitcoin. He's a big believer in Bitcoin. He buys Bitcoin every day. Hmm. And he he went to buy Bitcoin. And I guess before he woke up, it was up like 5%. And he said, you know, I don't want to buy when it's up 5%. He said, but I did anyway, because I believe down the road, it's going to be a hell of a lot higher than whatever it was, 17, 18 grand. Right. Whatever it was yesterday, 18.5. And that's the thinking. It's like, well, if you believe Bitcoin's going 180 grand, who gives a crap if you buy at 18.5 or at 18 or 17.5? It doesn't matter. I mean, it, yeah. it especially since, I mean, I don't know what money he's playing with, but if it was, you know, a few hundred bucks or a few thousand bucks, it, at the end of the day, what are you talking, a couple hundred bucks down the road? And there's yeah. equal chance of, you know, if it is a, a major bull run and the bottom is in well you don't want to buy at 18.5 because you want to wait till 18 and the next thing you know you wake up it's 20 then it's 22 then then it's off and running and it's like oh shit I, I i missed that over 500 bucks and and one of the things i one of the lessons i remember when i was studying and, and getting into trading which i don't do very much of it's it's very difficult so i know from experience but this one guy and i it's always stuck with me he says with markets when you want to get in, get in. When you want to get out, get out. Don't fuck around. So I think you know, too hardly about it. <laughs> if you want in, get in at 18.5. If it goes down to 18.2, who cares? You're in. If you want out, get out. Don't try to bleed another, you know, few points out of the trade or out of the, the move because you may end up missing a few points. It, it may right. go against you. So those are sound lessons. If you want in, get in now. If you want out, get out. And, mm. you know, if it's a long-term hold at the end of the day, a, a, a couple points on Hive, let's say, if you're buying that, a couple cents, who cares if you believe it's going to three bucks or mm. 30 bucks? Yep. Good point. Thank you, Dev Press. Appreciate the question. Next up is uh, Tidy and Rain. I, I, mess this guy's name up all the time really good dude he wants to know what are the best options for multi-cross blockchain interoperability there you go uh, i don't even know what that means well you know i'm an idiot well it depends <laughs> on what what he means what he probably means is from the finance side and then like you're talking bridging yeah, you're talking ultimately maybe Thorchain. You're talking Leo Finance, what they're doing. You're talking about wrapped tokens. You're talking about all that stuff. But mm. ultimately, if you're talking multi-chain interoperability future, uh, Starker's talked about that and what they're doing with Speak Network. Speak Network is, is infrastructure designed to make things multi-chain 
from Hive, extended further out and and pulling things in. So when they when he talks about using for for example Hive being Bitcoin's Lightning network, being its transaction layer, that's multi-chain. That that that's interoperability. And so you know, other than bridges, you're still waiting for the infrastructure to be built. And, you know, a lot of this infrastructure is going to require, um, you know, wrap tokens and things like that and, and the ability to bridge over. And then you're getting into smart contract and things of that nature. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's very sporadic at this point. We're technologically in the early days. And the most common thing that's taking place is just forking of stuff. And, you know, there is obviously interoperability between at least the tokens between BSE and Ethereum and, and Polygon right. because they're all forks of each other. So they're all the, effectively ERC-20s, um, you know, so it's just a matter of taking and wrapping Ethereum on, on BSC or wrapping Ethereum on uh, Polygon. And, and you have that capability then to get to Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin and, and some of these others. So. You know, it, it's it depends on what level. In the at the application level, it's rather limited. And are we ever going to really see it at the application level? I, I don't know. You, it's going to be very interesting to see what interest developers end up having with some of these chains, because as you know, Starkers talked about when you get into transaction fees, when you get into that type of stuff, you get into these pre mines, you get into these control systems. That gets to the point of limiting what you can do, what you can build on those chains. So it'll be very interesting to see. There you go. Thank you for the question, sir. Next up, we've got NFT BBG. <clears throat> he said, I actually asked this question on Twitter. It's about Gresham Law. If I'm not mistaken, I heard Taskmaster used it to illustrate how HBD will drive out bad money out there. Can you further explain in what way HBD does that? How does how about those who think that crypto itself is bad money that must be driven out? Okay, Grisham's law <clears throat> says ultimately bad money drives out good money. And this actually stems from the coinage days. And what it is is if I owe John money or if I'm paying <clears throat> John money, if you take a coin, and, and the reason why when you look at old coins that they're not round is because people took knives to them and scraped off, off. Yeah. the metal. And so you never, end, you, over time, you ended up with inconsistent weights with your coinage. And the reason why they scraped the metal off, they melted down, and, and obviously they could then use that for other purposes. And so what you actually had was by people scraping, they were actually inflating the, the, the money, they were, were reducing the value of, of the money. And so what happens is if I have two coins and one's perfectly round, but one's been scraped to live in hell and it's, it's the same unit monetarily in the minting, in the coinage, but one has much less weight, which am I going to give to John? I'm going to give him the coin that's been scraped to hell and much smaller and has less weight to it because the metallic value is worth less and so that's where the good bad money drives out good now when it comes to non-coinage 
this theory holds true or has held true <clears throat> with legal tender. So once tender, once a currency is made legal tender, now it's got the government backing, i.e. guns and jails and all kinds of bad consequences for counterfeiting and things of that nature. And so what you have is you have the tendency for then good money to drive out bad. Of course, on a global scale, this doesn't work because there is really no entity, no central bank, no government that controls it. And that's why the euro dollar system flourished while it did. And to the degree it did is because it created its own money. It created all these financial products that were liquid and that were tradable because they were in electronic form. They were ledger based and they could trade them. So it, it worked as money. They could use it for remittance and cross-border payments and whatever they wanted to do. <clears throat> My point with is with Grisham's law, that flips on its ear when you get away from legal tender. And when you get away from legal tender and when you give people the choice to utilize whatever currency they want, what characteristics come into play are most important. So why do I think stable coins are better money than non-stable cryptocurrency? Because of the volatility. If I'm a merchant and, 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 and John makes a purchase, he's a night owl, so he makes a purchase at 1 a.m. and I'm sleeping and it's for a, a $99 product that I'm selling and he makes a purchase for $99 and I wake up the next day and I don't check in. I go for a walk. I eat lunch and I check it at one in the afternoon. And all of a sudden, in those 12 hours, the price of the value of the currency has dropped. For keeping in mind, he's in Canada. I'm in the United States. And the currency has dropped 15 percent. I may have just lost money on that sale because I might only have 10 percent margin in the product. So that's one of the things when I say HBD. And if you've been reading my writings, the value of HBD, the potential value, not only on the utility of the token itself, the ability to create funding and investing, the ability for derivatives, the ability for payments, the ability for collateralization, <clears throat> but also the backing, which I, I wrote today, HBD is effectively a collateralized loan from the blockchain. And it's a collateralized loan that's backed by an access token. So if we do the circular nature and the understanding of this, and so we're looking at not a reserve pool, but rather a algorithmically driven backing that's based in USD. So it's a, a unit of account that everybody in the world has a conception. People understand a dollar. They, they understand what a dollar means, at least in terms of, well, how much does breakfast cost or how much does oil cost or how much does, you know, a, 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 an ounce of gold or a Bitcoin cost? They, they comprehend that. So when you look at HBD and I look at all else that's out there, even the other stable coins, you know, they're backing it by U.S. Treasuries. They're backing it by U.S. currency, supposedly. They're unaudited. So who knows? <laughs> they have corporations. You have the Tether Foundation. You have a circle that's behind USDC. How much faith do you have in them? 
then you also end up with the situation where they're not decentralized. They can close down wallets. They can lock wallets. They can make tokens uh, unavailable. And you don't have any of that with HBD. Then the other thing, and I, if I'm thinking of the article that I wrote, we don't depend on anything for getting into the niches in the world that need it most. It's being used in Venezuela, as we'll see in, in, in uh, next week's show or two weeks from now show. Uh, hopefully we'll see, uh, we'll learn what's going on in Cuba, Nigeria, Ghana. We have the capability just through the proof of brain, through the, the, the Hive ecosystem to get the money into those countries. Right to use his payments, to use his store of value, then you couple in the 20% savings. So you got a digital wallet that's a bank. You have a, a, a fixed income market with the, the savings account. You have an internal exchange where you can swap it to Hive, which then can get you ultimately to your Bitcoin if you have to get out of this and into fiat currency. All of this is taking place. And yes, it's in the early days, it's in the foundation. But find me a currency that does this. And people, the Bitcoin maxis will say, well, Bitcoin does it all. No, Bitcoin has no elasticity. There's 21 million and that's it. So that's going to denote always a level of volatility. Fixed money always pools. That's going to create even more wealth inequality and monetary inequality because fixed income or fixed uh, money always does that. With Hive, with HBD, you have the elasticity that's driven by the community, which means the market where we can expand it and contract it however we want because of the conversion mechanism. So if somebody wants to take a million hive and convert it to HBD, they can do that if they have a million hive. If they want to go the other way from a million HBD to hive, they can do that too. Uh, and nobody can stop them. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's there for them unless they run into the haircut rule, which is a safeguard. So when you take all of that together, that's where I make the uh, correlation between HBD and Grisham's law that we're going to push bad money out simply because what's bad money right now? And most people say USD, which is the most hated currency in history for, for basically mythology reasons that are spread on the internet. But when you, when you look at a lot of the currencies, the Bolivar, the Naira, uh, you know, you look at a lot of these different currencies. I would even put the euro in there right now. Uh, you start to look at that. <clears throat> when you see how they react to the U.S. dollar, these people over time are losing value internationally because their currencies are getting crushed, especially developing nations against the U.S. dollar. HBD solves that. You get into a dollar-denominated asset, which is not tied to the dollar. There's no dollars backing it. There's no USD involved in the situation, but you are in a dollar-denominated asset that doesn't require your country having banknotes, going to the bank, getting the banknotes, hoping your bank's not corrupt, hoping you don't get hit over the head by some robber stealing your dollars, and you're not dependent on the physical currency. You're dependent upon a derivative of the U.S. dollar, if you will, HBD, a stable coin that's not even backed by USD, related assets it's backed by hive which is an access token and you can get this in no matter where you are in the world as long as you got an internet connection a hive account and some resource credits and the nodes are running you're good to go 
No problem. So in other words, HBD is a good thing. I think it's one of the best <laughs> things. I think it's one of the best things in crypto. Potentially, we can mm. build this into something really masterful. Agreed. Uh, we got a viewer in uh, YouTube, uh, PLAC, that wanted to know, can you guys please explain what is and how HSBI works? So uh, I did this post last night, kind of like the tipping economy, trying to get people into thinking tips. And I know that's kind of an uphill battle because we're so used to the rewards pool on Hive. Uh, but one of the cooler tipping token projects on uh, Hive and on the, the legacy chain was this thing called SBI, which was Steam Basic Income. So now it's, I think it's Hive Staked Based Income is what the, the new acronym is. But essentially it works the exact same way. I send one liquid Hive or as much liquid Hive as I want to Steam Basic Income and they power that up. Now what that does is in the memo field, I give it, so if I want to tip Taskmaster, I would put in the memo field at Taskmaster 4450. And what they do with that is they just basically take that, they power it up. And with that power up, they start upvoting you and they start upvoting me. So how I used it in the past is not only for a tipping token, but what I really like to do is I like to give HSBI to newcomers to Hive because the uphill battle of just creating content and seeing like triple zeros across your rewards kind of sucks. So now you're not going to get rich with HSB, SBI. It's, it's definitely, you know, you're not getting, it's not like you're going to get an upvote for 20 bucks from this is not how this thing works, but you know what? You see an upvote, you get an upvote and, and it, it encourages people to keep going. So HSBI to me is, is just a, it's a win-win where both parties win. I get to support uh, new new people and people that engage with me with a tip, and then I get I get supported as well. Uh, so that's what HSBI is. I think you go to um, HiveSBI.com, I think is their front page, if I'm not mistaken. And that gives you more information on their project as well as links to their Discord. So really cool tipping program that's been around forever. I've met the guy who created it face-to-face, -face, Joseph Savage. Good dude. Um, again, it's kind of that whole reputation thing that we talked about earlier, about, you know, the hive reputation is not necessarily the numbers beside your name. It's the relationships that you have. And um, I've met this guy, broke bread with him. I've talked to him about it, about his project. So, you know, I have no qualms about um, sending that to to new people that, are trying to get a start on Hive. So there you go. And I think Tass has some shares in a HSBI too, but he probably doesn't pay attention to that because he doesn't even pay attention to who upvotes him. So. No idea. No idea who upvotes me. No, I, 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 you're right. I don't pay any attention to that. But I, I, what you bring up, John, <clears throat> and maybe uh, we'll tangent here because it, it's a little bit of a philosophical discussion, but I, I think mm. it's very interesting and I think it's very important for the audience. And, and first off, when you mentioned the, the triple zeros across, and, and I agree with you, and, and by the way, to give you a cheap plug here, uh, this is a reason to use views because both John and I uh, yeah. have used views and we, especially right now, because everything that comes up is within the seven day voting window, window. there's no legacy stuff in there or, or no out of the voting window stuff. But 
what both of us have done is we scroll down when we're we're going through a post and if there is a triple zero i mean if there if a post has you know 10 hive i may not upvote it but if a post has triple zero i'll give it even if it's just a minimal upvote for for a couple couple cents you know give 0.3 hive um i'll do that simply because like john said it's the encouragement. Hey, wait, I got a vote from somebody and, and it gets it there. So I think views is also a potential solution to what you were describing about um, some of these newer people getting involved and not getting any votes of any kind because their content's not seen. The second thing is I will disagree with you on tipping. I, I've never liked tipping. Uh, I don't think it's really the future. Uh, I take exception to that. And here's how I think we're going to see it work. I think you're going to see, because of the ability to keep creating tokens, we're going to see the reward pools keep expanding and moving to different layers. Even as certain projects see their inflation being reduced just as time goes by, we're going to see other projects jump in and able to to reward people on top of that. But I think at a project level, Ultimately, what I see as the way this evolves, uh, John, is projects that really want to attract a large group of users are going to figure out ways to generate revenues, use those revenues to buy the tokens off the open market, and then reward the community in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's through like a powering up, a staking, and then using that as curation if they have proof of brain, or using it like Leo has suggested, if you stake the token, you'll get an ROI, or maybe it's a direct airdrop, or maybe people run contests, or projects run contests, or something like that. And I think that's how the innovative project teams and communities will start to build their ecosystem by bringing in revenue, then using that to prop up the token by buying it off the open market and using that as some type of distribution, which means incentivization program for newer people, for for longtime people, for the growing user base. Because you, you need some continual incentivization program, I believe, in Web3. I mean, Dan talked and Starkers talked about this for infrastructure. And their main premise is, well, everything Jack Dorsey's talking about is fine, except for the fact there's no incentivized infrastructure. They believe in that in Bitcoin, but they don't believe that it anywhere else. Who the hell is going to run infrastructure? Nobody, ultimately, unless there's somebody who has a reason to, i.e. a big bank, and they can data mine and sell your money, your stuff to advertisers and stuff like that. I agree with that. But I also say that extends, why should I use John's platform instead of another platform? The reason I use John's platform is the incentivization that the CTP team has come up with. And that doesn't only mean inflation over time. The inflation is going to be reduced, but there's other ways, other mechanisms designed into the applications that say, hey, all of a sudden, and you said posting. Yeah, not everybody's a content creator, but let's say you do add microblogging. So all of a sudden people can get microblogging. Let's say somehow you incorporate something into view, something into listener, something into this, something into that. You get money for re you get rewards for reading something or watching a video or whatever can be created. And this comes out of the revenues generated from the platform 
that purchased the coin off the open market or the token off the open market. Now, all of a sudden, you have a thriving ecosystem that's tied to, you know, your community. And then commerce, finance, all this stuff can be erected. So I really think that's the future where things go. We had a comment on my uh, post that Brian of London wants to come back to the show and discuss why he thinks value for value and tipping is going to be something in the future. So we got to get him. Well, we can have that so you guys can go back and forth. That's what I uh, Unfortunately, where that is, <clears throat> is, uh, well, well, we'll probably do a housekeeping at the end of the show, but that, that might be a little difficult considering his time zone over the next intern period. Mm. Yes. Tokenized Society says, hello, Maniacs. What really happens when a token is burned? Is it actually destroyed or is it just moved to a wallet that no one has access to? Uh, I'm going to take the second part of that one. It's the latter, yeah. It's the latter, yeah. It's just an account that the keys have been torched so nobody can get to. Yeah, so that's what it means to be burned. Um, sent to null on Hive. That's the yeah. null account. No one's got the, the – well, we hope no one's got the keys to it because if they do – my goodness, they're sitting on a landfall. <laughs> I've never even looked in it. I don't even know how much how much yeah. I've is in there. That'd be interesting. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, well, I, I think that I think it's also the same in the in the in the uh, DHF in Hive yeah. Fund. It, nobody has the keys to that. Mm. You know yeah. that that's run by the coding, and uh, you know what what they change in the coding is is how how that account's run. There you go. Hope that helps tokenize. Thank you for stopping by. Finally, we got Jimmy, and J this is going to be a good one. I can I can tell because you just had your sip of coffee. So this is going we're going to get into this one. I'm sure. Jimmy wants to know how much of a game changer do you believe will be the three speak into the new Leo Finance UI? The change in three speak into the Leo Finance new UI. I. I, I guess, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, John, or listening to it wrong. Is he saying incorporating three speak directly into Leo Finance's UI, which yeah, that's what they're talking about? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's really that much of a game changer. Okay, so I can, instead of uploading my videos through three speak TV, I can upload my videos to Leo Finance .io. Hmm. Does that really change? anything i mean it just changes um, where i do it i i don't know if it really changes anything i mean from well, my I, perspective I, i'm thinking i'm thinking you know like you know social media on web 2 is they're all about video right every single mm -hmm. app that you've got from twitter to instagram to tiktok to facebook to you you name it they all have the capability of uploading video so the more this becomes the norm, I think, in Hive, where you can use like to enough to you can do a video on like to you can do it on Inst um, Instagram on, on ActiveFit. You can do it on Leo. You can you can do it on all these front ends. I think this is good because that's where traditional social media and where the most web traffic is online. It's video and it's not war and peace video. It's small little videos. Well, I understand. But again, and I don't disagree with you that it's a good thing. 
it's a good thing. I mean, the more that these apps do, as I've said all along, I think all these apps should try to figure out how to tap into the container that Leo Threads is doing in off of microblog. If it's on there, everybody, every app should be interested in incorporating it. But when you look at a game changer, again, I can load video, and if my post appears on CTP, if my post appears in Ecency, if my post appears in Leo Finance, which you know, Ecency will always appear in Leo Finance and, and CTP. I just have to use the tags. But the, the post is there in the video place. It doesn't matter where it was uploaded. So, right. you know, when you're starting to talk about um, the, the Web2 applications, well, yes, because if I upload a video in YouTube, it's not necessarily you can't view it in Twitter unless I link to it. If I can upload the video on Twitter, that's good and all well and good on Twitter, but it doesn't mean shit for YouTube. Um, you know, with here, it doesn't matter. So I guess for newer people, if somebody didn't know about 3Speak and they sign on to CTP or they sign on to Leo Finance through whatever mechanism and they get an account through one of those and they say, oh, wow, I can load up a video into this, this post on CTP. Okay, yes, you can now or into to Leo Finance. Yes, you can now. But I mean, is that really a game changer? We're all re it's all reading the same information. Uh, and yes, you know, shorts are long. Well, mm. it doesn't matter. I mean, if if I want to load up a 15 minute video in three speak or if I want to load up a one minute video in three speak, it's still the same whether I do that through through Leo Finance or 3Speak. So I don't see it as much of a game changer. It's like you're just putting video in 3Speak's platform and ultimately Leo Finance will be able to run their own infrastructure and tap into that and, you know, the Leo Finance community and that Speak Network and that has great potential. But, uh, you know, just being able to do it through a UI mm. I mean, it's cool. It's easy. It's, it makes life a little easier. It's a nice feature to have, but it's like, at the end of the day, does it really matter? I mean, it's, my, it's, I think it's 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 also more keeping things for mobile audiences as well. Now, I'm not totally sure what's going on with the Leo app or the mobile app and stuff, but again, I I can't help but but think that, and I know you don't use your phone for a lot, but. Well, but 3Speak has a mobile app. They do, yes. Last they do. week. Yes. So yeah, what, what, what the hell are you yeah, talking I got, about? I got corrected very quickly uh, by, by one of the devs and, of course, Starker's on my post. So there you go. Um, but I think that's where, where things need to go on Hive. That's where everything is in the world. So I, I, I don't disagree with you that, you know, I've said, and I'll say the same thing to you if Blaine's listening. CTP should have the internal exchange tied to CTP. Mm -hmm. CTP should have people's high fall. So should Leo Finance. So should Ecency. I think Ecency does uh, mm -hmm. have the internal exchange. So should Actifit. Actifit has the wallets, but they should have the internal exchange. I think anything that's at the base layer and ultimately what's being developed at the second layer, if it's it's open source, which 3Speak is, should be incorporated in all these apps. What have I been talking about? The everything app. Any app that wants to be a legitimate player on Hive better have a whole lot of shit in because guess what? There's apps out there like Leo Finance, like it appears Ecency, and I don't know much about Ecency, but it appears Ecency's taking this to heart. 
they're incorporating as much as they can. So guess what? They're going to get the lion's share of the users because why am I going to use four different fucking apps to do stuff? That's why I said views. Views has great potential because the basic premise of views cannot be copied very easily. That makes it stand out. Just needs to incorporate more in it over time. There you go. And then why would I use, you know, Peak D if I can use views and I can do everything from views that Peak D does, plus I got the basic views mm. and then more. Then maybe I can load my video through views. Maybe I can, you know, microblog view through views. Maybe I can do all, I can swap. Well, I guess you, I don't know if you can swap your HBD for if you can access the internal exchange on Peak D. I don't know. If, I don't think they well. It do goes that. to Hive Dev. That's the that's the exchange. I think they built. So oh. it's a it's a separate link, but you do it through their thing. But yeah, and and I mean, I'm not picking on Peak D because the the people behind Peak D are doing a lot of this open source. So yeah, Hive Dev is actually open source uh, that you can take the code and incorporate it in. I believe you can incorporate it into your front end. So mm-hmm. I think that's where things are going. And yes, video is ultra important. Uh, microblogging is ultra important. I mean, we, we've said it for years. The majority of the internet is not medium style writing. Nope. Just not. Huh. It's not WordPress writing. It's, you know, Wait, take, guys, a, take a three minute video or a 30 second video of my cat and post it or of my kid running around and throwing a cherry at his sister's head or something. I, I mean, that's what people put up and you know john sitting there with his like a two post that's what people post you know a simple picture of his kid with the dog i mean that that's what people post it that's what people so these apps these (laughs) apps are very very important to the future of hive there you go um before we get out of here a little bit of uh home uh i guess uh housekeeping here next week we're still doing the shows, but they're they're tented. We're not sure exactly of the time yet. I will know more on Monday, um, but the the show goes on. We're just going to be later in the evening, about six hours later, maybe. Doubt that. Yeah, for for the next couple of months, um, but six seven hours later. Yeah, give, but we'll 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 give everyone the time exactly. But it'll all you know everything will be uploaded. Uh, the live streams will be different, but everything will be uploaded. Uh, like yeah, and so what we have is we have Tuesday ePodcaster. Mm-hmm. Friday will be our Q&A. Tuesday will be a Q&A. So look for the post early because we have Hive Cuba on Friday. He couldn't make it on Tuesday, so we had to switch that week. And, yes, we will be uh, streaming at a later time starting on Tuesday and keep following John G. Olson Twitter account because he always posts the scheduling changes and stuff there. There you go. Perfect. Guys, be good to each other. Uh, We will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in and keeping those questions coming. Um, Yeah, have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Toodles. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Cryptomaniacs podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to hanging out with you again next week.